Good morning, church family. Take your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings. We're going to look at chapter 7 this morning. 2 Kings chapter 7. Aren't you thankful that this morning that God is sovereign and on his throne this morning? Anybody else with me this morning? Aren't you thankful that God is sovereign this morning? And in spite of what is happening around our world, we know that God is very much in control. And I'm thankful today that we worship a God who did that this didn't catch him by surprise. And the, the things that are happening around our world this morning uh, is really, the, the word of God says the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. And I'm thankful for that this morning. I'm thankful that God knows how it's all going to come to, uh, to an end. And, uh, and he's not caught off guard and we can count on him, we can depend on him. Uh, and so it's an awesome privilege to know God this morning and to worship him. And thank you for joining us online and in person this morning. We're glad to see you. Uh, wrapping up the series Exponential this morning, we're looking at the power of influence. It's the story of four lepers. And often throughout scripture, as you look at the stories of where God uses people, oftentimes he uses the least likely people uh, as a part of his story to carry out the gospel message and to let the masses know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I love the fact that he will take the most unlikely people and do extraordinary things, exponential things. He does things that are far outside the realm of human ability. And, and our, he takes our weaknesses, he takes our brokenness, he takes our past, our failures, are, are all of the, the things that uh, help uh, so often, we feel like, define us. And he uses those for our good and ultimately for his glory. And he'll take uh, the, the least likely people who say, Pastor, I, have a whole, I don't have a whole lot to offer God. That's exactly who he wants. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit and our weakness, he is made strong. And I'm thankful this morning that God uses the least likely people. This morning we're looking at four men that were, are hungry, that are starving. They're, they are, the whole city of Samaria is in a famine. And they've been surrounded by a, a, an army. And, and they've cut out, there's a, an embargo against the, the city of Samaria. And there's a food embargo. And, uh, and here in 2 Kings, we're going to start in chapter 6 and then quickly move into chapter 7. But... There's four influential characters that are probably the least likely because they wouldn't be invited to the table uh, at any other event. In fact, uh, they would be the ones that were shouting unclean and the ones that people are avoiding and trying to pass by on the other side and, and not have to come into contact with because they were ceremonially, ceremoniously unclean. And we see these influential characters in chapter 7 and folks, God will use them in uh, extraordinary ways. And he'll use them in ways that uh, will blow your mind this morning. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 says, After Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mastered his entire army, he went up and besieged Samaria. So just to kind of lay the groundwork, King Ben-Hadad is the bad guy. The army of, of Aram comes and surrounds the city of uh, Samaria, and they created an an embargo and said no food or goods are coming through the gates of the city and Samaria are the good guys and verse 25 says there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels 
of silver. In other words, these guys are getting really hungry. They're standing outside the gate of the city as people are coming through. But now that there's been an embargo, people have even less money and resources and food to give to them. So these men that were, were used to depending on people's scraps and, and their extra coins and shekels and, and food along the way suddenly find themselves absolutely starving to death. And, and, and the people inside the city are, are, are struggling just to make it. They're hungry. And after a while, it got so bad that it mentions a donkey's head sells for two pounds of silver. And I don't know how hungry you have to be to, to look at a donkey and say, man, that head looks pretty uh, tasty. And I want to eat that. But it's obviously bad. And, and it's exorbitant prices, and then it gives the price of dove's dung uh, as uh, five shekels, and I was thinking about that this week, it's kind of like, you know, Starbucks, we can often call it five bucks, I mean, you go in, a cup of coffee is five dollars, well, back in this day, uh, a cup of dove dung is five dollars, all right, five (laughs) shekels, I mean, I don't know what, if it tastes the same as Starbucks, but whatever it was in those moments, uh, it's very expensive, and but fast forward to our characters here in 2 Kings chapter 7. Look at verse 3. It says, There were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. They said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? We say, uh, Let us enter the city. And, and it goes on, he says, If we say, uh, Let's enter the city, the famines of the city, we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Do you you see what's happening here? Ultimately, they're saying, look, our plight is not good here. We are lepers. We are the least of these in this society. And and, uh, we're sitting at the city gate. There's no food inside. We're surrounded on the outside. And they said, either way, we're facing death. They're like, let's at least go and surrender to the enemy, and maybe we'll get lucky and they'll actually feed us. Otherwise, we're still going to die. And so they, 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 they concoct a plan. Better to die at the hand of the enemy than to stay here and die of starvation and leprosy. So verse 5, it says, they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. When they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, watch, because folks, it's not just another verse you can look at the Old Testament and, and see all of these chapters and go, you know what, blah, 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 all these things happened, yeah, Leviticus is just all the begets and all, and you can sit here and get bogged down, but God is laying the framework for something that he's about to do that's huge. And so as you start thinking, he says, they rose at twilight, they go to the camp of the Syrians, when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, no one was there. The Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses all right so imagine all of a sudden there's a soundtrack and there's chariots and horses racing toward this the 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 army of aram that's encamped outside the city of syria and and god begins to to scare them the sound of a great army so that they said to one another behold the king of israel has hired against us the kings of the hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. God is giving them a divine opportunity, a divine appointment. God has done so that he clears the way for them to influence. So the enemy panics. 
They fled into the night, abandoning their tents, their horses, their donkeys, their donkeys' heads, and everything else. And, and verse 7 says that they fled for their lives. God did a miracle and opened the door for the lepers to arrive on the scene. And I love what it says in verse 8. When the lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and they ate and drank. The very thing that they could not do, now God has opened up all of the tents of the, of the army of Aram. And all of a sudden they, they're beginning to go in and eat. And there's a great famine in the land. And all of a sudden they're saying, you know what? I, I can go in and I can eat and I can drink and I can have all of these things. And, and it says they drank, they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. And that, this is where the story begins to take a turn because I told you, God is at work. God is going to use these men in a, an exponential way. So it says, when we, uh, in verse 9, it says, Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. So it says, Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called the gatekeepers of the city and told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard. There nothing but the horses tied to the donkeys and tied to the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out, and it was told within the king's household. Imagine for just a moment, they go outside of the city to surrender, and they get there, and all of the, 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 the wicked enemy, the army of Aram, has ran and fled, and all of their, their the belongings, all of their food is, is laying there. And, and it goes on into chapter 8, and it tells us that all of the city comes out, and they eat, and they're, they're merry. And, and, and folks, think about the influence on the impact of this city during a physical famine. And folks, as, as we're thinking about it, I want us to try to make a connection this morning today between how you and I can influence our city during a spiritual famine. Think about it for just a moment. We're living in unprecedented times. It literally, when you talk about the end times and the wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and pestilences and plagues and, and pandemics and all of the things that are happening that the Word of God says are going to happen in the last days, before Christ comes to take his bride home. Folks, we are living in an opportunity to influence our city and the world with the gospel. We're living in a spiritual famine. We heard me talk about last week about Raleigh and Wake County and how over 2 million people now call the triangle home. And there, folks, people have never been more hopeless than they are right now. They're hopeless without Christ. And, and there's a spiritual famine in the land. People are spiritually hungry. And folks, if you can fast, go backwards and rewind uh, just over 20 years ago to September 11th of 2001, do you remember what happened as our nation was attacked, as New York and, and Washington and Pennsylvania uh, see these planes go down? And, and you remember what begins to take place over the, the coming days right after that. And the weeks after that, all of the churches begin to fill up as people begin to turn back to God. And they're like, we need a touch from heaven. We are at war. Our nation is at war. Our freedom is under attack. 
And folks, what's happening today is the world is crumbling all around us. Where are the people? They're scared. They're distracted. They're disjointed. They're divided. We're, we're all over the map. And folks, the devil is doing everything he can to defeat and destroy the influence of the gospel. People today are lonely. They're more disconnected than any other time in recent history. But folks, this is the time for the church to be a light. This is for the time for the church to rise up and be a, a, a witness and a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. The culture today is so far from God, they don't even know that they need a God. The thing is, church, we have the hope, and it's Jesus Christ. We have the hope of heaven and knowing what we can experience one day in heaven. And folks, so now we can influence with the words and actions that God gives us this morning to be a, a salt and light in our community. This morning, influence is using my words and actions to move people toward Jesus Christ. Every single one of us have opportunities every day to influence. Influence our family members. Your greatest area of influence begins within the walls of your own house. As a mom and as a dad, as a, as a grandparent, as an aunt and uncle, your greatest fear of influence is the people that God has entrusted in your care, those people that are directly under your roof and that you can pray with and encourage and, and lead to a relationship with Jesus Christ. But folks, it extends beyond there to our, our neighbors and our coworkers, our friends, our city, the people that we come in contact with at the grocery store, at the, at the dollar store, at the, you know, at the places that we go in business, at work, we have an opportunity to influence for Jesus Christ. So how do we live a life of compounding influence? How can we make an exponential difference in this time? Folks, if you want to influence others for God, you have to risk doing something great for God. It requires an element of risk. And we think every single thing that happens that's good, there's an element of risk. All of these athletes that just went to the Olympics uh, just a few weeks ago, there was years and years of taking risk. I was sitting here watching some of these gymnasts, as my, my daughter is, uh, takes gymnastics, and I was watching these gymnasts, and I'm sitting here thinking, I can hardly walk up and down the steps without tripping over my own two feet. I mean, I'm constantly falling. I don't fall down the stairs. I fall up the stairs. Anybody else out there? I mean, it, it, it makes a loud thud, and, you know, and, and everyone starts. In our house, I mean, there's just lots of love to go around. Uh, there's a laughter when, when dad falls going up the stairs. And I mean, I can hear it from multiple places in the house. And, and they're like, dad just fell. And, and I'll fall going up the stairs. And, and it's, there's just something about it. But folks, the reality is, is God has placed us in an area to influence others. It takes risk. It takes saying, I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone and, and take a risk. This morning, if you, took, if you work a job, 
there was a risk in stepping out and taking that job. You don't know exactly what you're getting into. In fact, many of you moved to this area to take a job. So it's taking a risk. You're saying, I'm going to pick my family up and move cross country. Anybody in here like that today? You've done that? Uh, you're, I'm taking a risk in taking this new job and, and moving to a new city. I'm going to a new school. I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone. All of us take those risks. And folks, think about uh, if you are uh, in a relationship, you had to ask someone out on a date. Maybe it's been a while for you. And I mean, I've been married for over 20 years now. But I mean, I remember asking my now wife, you know, out on a date and thinking to myself, I mean, this could go one of a number of ways. I mean, her sister's in my youth group. I mean, if it doesn't go well, I mean, I could be like, you know, the bad person on, you know, on the block. And I mean, I could really, uh, it could go uh, really, really bad, but it went well, thank God. But, you know, now think about asking someone to marry you and you're asked, popping that question and, and you're uh, taking that, that relationship to the next level. It takes risk. The same thing is true for, for choosing to do something great for God. Charles Dubois said this, the important thing is this, to be able at any moment to sacrifice what we are for what we could become. In other words, it's saying, I believe that God wants to do something even greater through my life. And that's what the lepers were willing to do. They said, we're willing to sacrifice what we are so that we might become something else. These four men with leprosy, sitting at the gate of the city, and they're saying, why should we sit here and wait to die? Why should we just sit here? The Syrian army has, has cut off all of the supply chain, and so they go out that evening and says, you know what, we're going to go out, we're going to surrender. These guys were lepers. It was caused by, it caused the disfiguring sores all over their body, and in those days they didn't have the antibiotics that we have today. So if you were a leper, you had one of a couple of choices. You could sit at the gate of the city and you could beg for alms or shekels as people would come through the gate. Or you could go to a leper colony and they would put you in an area where it was confined for all of these people. I've thought kind of like some of the COVID wards in the last year and a half. And you're kind of quarantined with all these other people who have the same ailment that you have. And I've traveled to India. There are leper colonies there today. There are people that sit at the gates of some of the cities and still beg today. It's, it's, it's uncanny how much it's like, exactly like these times. So they're sitting at the entrance of Samaria. They begged people as they came into the city, but now there's a famine. They're extremely hungry, and yet they're about to be the heroes of the story. You see, this morning, God can and will use anybody who's willing to take a risk, even a leper. Let that sink in for just a moment. God can and will use anyone who's willing to take a risk for him, even a leper. If God can use a starving leper back in the day, while the city was surrounded and under siege, you better believe he can use you in 2021. With all of the technology, all of the advancements that we have in communication, all of the ability we have to influence in this day and age, God can use you to impact a city with the gospel. When was the last time you really took a risk like that? When was the last time you stepped back and said, I'm going to try something big 
for God. You see, what happens is God is getting them out of their comfort zone. They're thinking, I have nothing to offer God. I have nothing to offer the, the, the city. But yet God is calling them out of their comfort zones. Maybe today you said, I want to, I, I need to take my next step in my relationship with God. And I need to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. We want to talk with you about that. Maybe you're saying, Pastor David, I need to take my next step. I've, I've gotten saved. Now I need to be baptized. Well, we're going to be baptizing here in just a couple of weeks on September the 12th. And maybe you need to say, I need to join a life group. Or I need to start serving and, and, and getting plugged in. Folks, I want to say, everybody needs to take a risk for God if we expect him to use us to impact our city with the gospel. What opportunity is God wanting you to take a risk on this morning? What is it that he's wanting you to accomplish that only through his power can be done. You see, you know, the reality of everything is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, every day God is giving us divine appointments, divine opportunities to do something great for him. Now, let me define a divine appointment. Divine appointment occurs when a ready and obedient Christian is given an open door by God to make a difference in the life of another person. Think about it. Sometimes God opens doors right in front of our face. And he says, I'm placing this person here for direct opportunity for you to influence them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It might be a co-worker or a friend or a family member. Someone in, in a place of need or a place of uh, 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 brokenness. And God is always giving us these divine opportunities or appointments. This week, uh, Pastor Jackson and I had a couple opportunities to impact a couple of people that God calls to cross our paths. And uh, on Tuesday, a young man came uh, and came through our doors, and and he needed a little help with his car. And he wasn't asking for a major handout, but he was trying to get some work done. He said, Pastor David, I don't have the money. And as we began to talk to him, we realized there was a genuine need there. And we began to talk to him. And he says, I don't need it. I don't want any money. I don't want any. If you could just, I've already talked to them. They've told me this is exactly how much it's going to be. Could you help me just spare a little bit of money to help with this? And we followed him down to the, to the thing. I saw Drew right there. He was getting his car worked on him. And we took care of the bill so that he could get his car fixed to be able to get back and forth to work to provide for he and his son. And and I was, as the day wore on, it was just, I was praying for him and, and just praying that God would work in his heart. The very next day on Wednesday, I was working on my sermon during the day and, and, and Jackson is getting ready for youth group and preparing for youth group. And it was like 640, he texted me and he says, I need you to come to church. Well, I'm not used to getting a text like that because youth group has already started at 640. It started at 630. He says, I need you to come to church. And and he said, I said, is everything okay? And my mind is immediately going, wow, he must have a really rowdy bunch of teenagers tonight. And, and he's calling in, you know, the backups, you know. And he's calling in special forces to, to come help out. And they're, they're, you know, burning the church down or, or whatever, ransacking everything. And my mind goes to the, the worst, you know. And, and he says, no, there's someone here that needs to talk to, to you. And, and I'm, I'm trying to talk to him and to counsel him. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you've got to teach 
and preach youth group. Just tell them you don't have any other options right now. To, there's nobody else here. And, but I said, okay, I'll be there in just a minute. I could tell it was serious. So I drive up, and there's another young 21-year-old outside our church. And this man is, has been kicked out of his house by his family, and he's homeless, and he's desperate. And, he's, and I'm sitting here listening to him tell a story, and I begin to see someone who's broken and in need of hope, need of the love of Jesus Christ. And as I stood there, Chris, I was sitting there thinking, what could possibly, what could we do to help this young man? And, and God began to encourage my heart, share the good news of the gospel. He needs to know that his heavenly father is never going to kick him out. He's never going to abandon him. He's never going to forsake him. And I began to share the good news of the gospel. Jackson had already begun to set the stage for that. And folks, over the course of the next hour and a half, he prayed and placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ as a Savior. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, yes, it inconvenienced me. I was in the middle of something at home, and, and I needed, but folks, I, I had to step outside of a comfort zone and help meet a need where someone was. And some of the parents were, as I was out there, were sitting on the curb, and this young man prayed and placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he's like, I don't need anything. He said, I'm going to sleep in my car tonight. And I said, no. I said, why don't we get you a hotel room? And he said, no. He said, I need, I need some time alone with God. He says, God has completely and radically transformed my life. And he said, this is exactly what I was looking for. And he said, I was, I was feeling like I was, had no hope. And there was, there was no hope for the future. And we were sitting there. And whenever I first came down, it looked like a, a, a huge thunderstorm was brewing overhead. And by the time he prayed and received Christ as a Savior, the sun was shining through the clouds. It was an absolute, he said, he looked over there, he says, that didn't just happen. And I was like, no, and this didn't just happen either. I said, God is at work. What happens is he gives us divine appointments like this every single day. If we're only attentive and walking with God, and we have to decide, am I going to be ready and obedient to walk through those doors? Secondly, we must remember how much God has blessed us with. You see, one of the keys to your influence in being able to be ready for divine appointments when God gives them to us is to take a moment and remember what God has done for us. Sometimes we forget that because when the month gets a little bit longer than our paycheck, we start to worry and we start to doubt. We start to think, hey, God has somehow forgotten me. But sometimes we have to pause and say, you know what? How much do I have to be thankful for? These lepers are, are sitting here and they're really blessed because they've arrived at the edge of the camp. Tent after tent after tent is empty. It's abandoned. There's donkeys and donkey heads and there's food and drink and all of these things. They're in the tent. They're going in and they're starving. And all of a sudden, God provides in a supernatural way. He caused a, a great noise to come upon that sounded like horses and chariots. And the army of Aaron begins to flee. And it was a move of God. He caused this great thing to happen as the army fled. Can you see it? They were sitting there and they're thinking, you know what? God has blessed us. And they're beginning to think, you know, we can't just hide this and keep it to ourselves. 
Because God has blessed us exponentially. We can't just keep all of this for ourselves. How many times in our life do we forget to remember what God has done for us? They're sitting there thinking about all of the things. Think about for a second. How has God blessed you? Has he forgiven you of your sins? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, absolutely, yes. Amen. Has has God given me a, a home in heaven? Is he preparing a place for me in heaven? Absolutely. Has he given us a, a church family that can encourage us and challenge us? Yes. Does God give us insight into the mysteries of life through his word? And yes, if we're walking in fellowship with God, we, we can. Does he give us strength for the day? Absolutely. Folks, God has blessed us. There's a song that says, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Folks, what happens is as we pause and give thanks to God, we can't just keep that to ourselves. Because the psalmist says in Psalm 23, our cup runneth over. In other words, the overflow of that relationship with God has got to be shared with other people as we come into contact with them. God is beginning to do a mighty work. And folks, he says, those last couple of words, he says they were hiding it. They began to hide the blessings that they received. Who were they hiding it from? The entire city of Samaria, who was also starving physically. They were going through a, a great time of famine. And folks, you know what evangelism is? Evangelism is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's what it is. So as the, the lepers are sitting here, now you can just imagine they haven't eaten in... in in weeks probably, in days, and they're, they're starving. They're going through, they're eating all the finest uh, breads and all of the finest meats and, and donkeys or whatever it is they're eating. And they're eating all of these great things. They're sitting around. You ever eat? I mean, we went to, the, we went to a restaurant that was family style a couple weeks ago on vacation. Uh, it's called Shatley Springs. And I'm like, how have I never heard of this place? But it was some of the best home-cooking food. It's worth driving to the mountains just to go there. But we're sitting there after eating family style. But Mother Mark, I was sitting there going, if I, they're talking about, what would you like for dessert? I mean, it's included in the family style. I'm thinking, if I eat a dessert, we're going to have a funeral right here because I'm going to explode and, and die. And I've eaten all the fried chicken and macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes and gravy and all the vegetables and biscuits and I mean, all everything you could, as much as you could possibly want, and I'm feeling absent. That's what these lepers are experiencing. They have just eaten an all-you-can-eat uh, family style, and they're sitting there, just sitting around, almost miserable. But they did something, it begins to shake them, hey, you know what, we can't just hide this. We can't just stockpile this. God has worked. He has blessed he has blessed me so that I can, in turn, bless someone else. I can share the good news with someone else. Jesus said this, so he says, to whom much is given, much is required. I wonder this morning, who do you know that needs hope? Who do you know right now that needs God in their life? Who do you know right now that needs to experience the peace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ? Who do you know that needs to make sure that they're going to heaven when they die? You see, because God has allowed you to experience the blessings of salvation, 
and a right relationship with Him. He wants us to share that with the world. But folks, then we can begin to relay God's good news to others. God has entrusted me with the most important influence possible to tell others about Jesus Christ. These lepers shook themselves from the sinful nature. I love what they said. Look at verse 9. He says, they said to one another, we are not doing right. In other words, there was a conviction. And folks, if you know Christ is your Savior, the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, I've called you to go and be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, this very city, and the uttermost parts of the earth, the ends of the earth. So he says, He's called them. He says, this day is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. What happens? They go and they tell the gatekeepers, who then in turn tell the entire city of Samaria. What a cool story. What an awesome picture of the influence that they had on the city. These lepers came back. They're full and they're happy. They walk up to the gatekeepers and said, the food, it's right there. This whole time it's been right there. I mean, don't wait. All you can eat, family style, is enough for all of us. Come and eat. And so they start to call the city and call the king's household and let all of the people know. And you can just imagine as the people are running out of the city to finally get a good meal and, and eat, and they're high-fiving all the lepers, and uh, that's probably not a good idea, but they're, 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 it's an air pump, you know, you're just kind of, but they're so excited as now they have, God has provided in their time of need. So, Pastor, what's the application? If God can use these four lepers, is it beyond the realm of possibility that he could use you and I to influence other people through our work and our actions toward a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is it that far-fetched if God could use the least of these? In the story of Rahab, if he could use a, a harlot to spare the city of Jericho, if he could use the Apostle Paul, who's the chief of sinners, what can God do through you and I? Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Why not this morning pray that God's power would work in us? That you wouldn't be ashamed that through your influence and your words and actions over this week, we would point people toward a personal relationship with Jesus. Think about it. Are you ready to take that risk this morning? Are you ready to let the blessings that come from God pour through you to other people? Are you ready to relay God's good news to others? You see, I believe the people of our city are ready. I believe that God is working now. And I believe it's up to us to cooperate and live a life of compounding influence. This week, let's pray that for divine appointments to influence others with the gospel of Jesus and allow God to use us in exponential ways.
You see what God did all these years ago in the city of Samaria in bringing food in a time of spiritual famine. Folks, we have the truth of the gospel and it will feed the spiritual famine of our city and our land. And folks, it's, it's not time to sit back and say, you know what, well, we just don't discuss politics and religion. It doesn't have to be political. Jesus Christ has radically transformed our life. And folks, the one that doesn't want you to talk about religion doesn't have a relationship with God. Jesus Christ has called us to be a light and be bold, and he's promised to give us the power to be the witness that he's called us to be. Let's pray God would use us in exponential ways this week. Heavenly Father, what a privilege that we have this morning to gather and lift our voices, raise our hands, and worship of you, God. And Lord, exalt your name. Lord, we have been blessed beyond measure. Lord, thank you for saving us. God, thank you for what you've done in transforming our lives. And God, I pray this morning we would be willing to take that risk in order to reach our city with the gospel, that we might impact Raleigh and Wake County and the Triangle with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, would you do a supernatural work in our hearts and lives this morning? I pray you begin to lay people on our heart even now that need to know Christ. And, and God, you would just solidify that decision in our heart this week. We're going to be intentional. We're going to look for divine appointments. God, that you'll place in our path Lord, as we're praying and, and seeking you, Lord, that we're trusting that you would open doors of opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. I'd love to see over the next several weeks multiple people putting people's names down that they've invited and writing it down and putting it out there in the, the display on the wall. And, and over time, over the next several weeks, see orange balls with people's names that have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ begin to show up as people begin to come become more intentional as they take as we take risks and God as we begin to not only invite but have gospel conversations and share the good news of Christ God would you do something supernatural in our hearts and our lives and God we realize if you could use four lepers in a time of physical famine Lord you could use any one of us Kind of spiritual thing. God, do a mighty work in our hearts and minds this morning. Let's stand to our feet.